Welcome back to the B-Hall Radio Army Wrestling Podcast. I am your host today, Brian Rellin. I'm leading this one. Jordan Tom um, is on a family vacation. He is mid-flight right now. So we have guest on the show or guest host on the show, Chandler Smith. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to get the chance to hang with uh, you and one of the greats. Um, yeah, thanks for letting me hang, hang out. I'll try not to be as bad as Jordan is on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> Appreciate that. So today we got a, we got a great episode uh, coming for you. We got 2005 graduate Phil Simpson. We've got a laundry list of accolades. Hopefully, hopefully we can get through them all in, the, in this episode. But he was a four-time Tennessee State champ, four-time Mike Natvig award recipient, Wally Crumor recipient, three-time NCAA All-American, 2005 NCAA, NCAA finalist, 2012 champion, and 2012 Olympic trials qualifier. Welcome to the show, Phil. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how's your uh, how's your Christmas going so far? It's going great. Um, it, it, you know me. Many many people know me. I'm from a big family, so it's uh, blissful chaos around the Simpson household, and so uh, it's uh, it's always a lot of fun. Always a lot <laughs> how of many, fun. How many kids do you have now? I can't keep track. Somewhere between. Six. I have eight. I have eight. Believe <laughs> it or not, I got four boys, four girls. Yeah, I mean, eight. The last time I checked, I, I talked. Haven't talked to my wife in a few minutes, but last time we checked, we have eight. So. <laughs> You, uh, you got squad leader kind of formation. Yeah, side. yeah. John Phillip is the oldest. Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of the squad leader, and then we got a couple little team leaders. Um, I had uh, my oldest daughter Amelia. She's a big help around the house, and so I'd, I'd probably give her that give her that I, title. I remember seeing a couple years ago you all did the seven doors as a uh, as yeah. a Halloween costume. Um, is there a football team planned in the works and like a rugby squad, fifteen aside, maybe planned? Yeah, we're 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 open to any ideas. We've outgrown uh, so many uh, of the themes that we've we've enjoyed doing in the past, and so we uh, we snuck that one in. You know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and and so. We're uh we're open to ideas and suggestions. This year we had our our eighth uh, little girl Edith, and right right before Halloween, and so um, we we didn't uh, didn't get the theme, and um, so we just kind of let them do their own thing. But they were actually pretty disappointed because they enjoy kind of doing something um, <laughs> together. But but yeah, I'm open for suggestions. <laughs> so continue on that. Our first question. So. Growing up as the oldest of five brothers, um, I guess let's dive into some of the like epic battles you've seen. You know, as the oldest brother, um, you probably witnessed and probably remember maybe more so than the other brothers. Um, what's like the best memory or some of the things growing up in the Simpson household? And how did your like family just get into wrestling? Yeah, so well, my dad is a coach, um, high school coach, and so I think we kind of were born into it a little bit. Um, my mom would take us to the matches when we were real little. And me and my brother Patrick are about um, really just 15 months apart. And um, so we were really close in age. And then William, or Willie, as some of you guys know him, um, was just right behind. So having three boys really close in age, kind of, you know, just naturally we gravitated towards rough housing um and I, I guess wrestling is just really organized rough housing to some degree and so um so we kind of grew up around it um just going to watch my dad coach at his uh 
matches and tournaments. And I, you know, I, I remember my dad taking us to some of the tournaments and we would be under the bleachers, you know, we'd be, we were just, just gym rats, but we would be there all day long. And we'd watch wrestling in between sessions. We'd run out there and wrestle each other and wrestle random kids that we found. And, um, you know, so we were just always around it and immersed at a very early age. Um, so that's kind of how we started, but we, we probably didn't have any like real organized wrestling um, practices until we got probably quite a bit older. So, what were some of the, uh, do you remember any like epic, epic battles between? Uh, oh, man. Um, being so close, you know, really probably not. Well, I would say there probably wasn't any that were not epic um, because I think we're really, we're just, we're really competitive um, people. So between me and particularly Patrick, Patrick was nice because he could, he could come up for a challenge and wrestle me or he could go down and whoop up on old Willie Bones. Uh, and so, <laughs> so he kind of had it, had, he could go either way. So I probably primarily wrestled uh, Patrick, but I would wrestle William occasionally. Um but I, probably every time we wrestled was epic. I mean, lampshades were getting broken. Um, people, we were getting hurt. Um, you know, it was, uh, I mean, we broke so many things in the house. And uh, <laughs> I mean, you can only hide so many, you know, those things. But I, I think I was, we were fortunate. I think my mom at an early age knew that we were just going to be like that. And so she lowered her expectations for, some sort of organized household and so we, we she kind of I wouldn't say let us because you know she would always correct tell us to you know go outside or do something but we always found ourselves inside in the den rustling on the carpet and fight I mean it, it always ended in a fight but we didn't fight like most kids we didn't punch or, or do things like that it was our fighting was you know elbows to the back of the head or um, a unruly little deep butt drag that was maybe, you know, on purpose. you know, you just do things to make the other person mad. And so um, that's how we would fight. So it, every, literally everyone was like that. Um, and, and uh, I mean, specific memories. Um, man, I, I, I remember uh, probably one time I, I used to fall, we used to get amateur wrestling news magazines in the mail to follow the rankings when I was younger. And I loved Iowa just because of Dan Gable. And I read his book when I was a kid. And um, I think I finally got to watch Iowa wrestling because we didn't have YouTube back then. So it wasn't like you had access or wrestling. We didn't have access to a lot of this stuff. So occasionally we would get recorded VHSs of like, college match or something and so I remember watching Iowa one time and me and Patrick decided we were going to be um we were going to wrestle Gable style and I remember we were just like just hammering each other at like no technique nothing and just hurting each other and my dad came in and was like yeah just banging each other for no reason like just to do it. we're like oh, we're Iowa we're gonna wrestle like Iowa we're just banging each other and my dad I remember my dad being like what, what are you doing that's, that's not even wrestling and I was like uh well, that's what Iowa does, and they're really good. Um, but, you know, I just remember just literally just banging each other so hard um, and just thinking like this. After after my dad brought that up, I remember thinking that that, that was probably stupid. I don't know what we accomplished. 
<laughs> not much has changed in Iowa. <laughs> I, tell you, I will say this. Uh, some of, some of the, the uh, we were so competitive, but William, I would, you know, William was just a lot younger than me and, and smaller. And so I'd kind of take it easy on him. I, you know, my dad would tell me not to use my weight or strength on him, but man, William was really slick. And every once in a while he would pull something out and just make you feel really stupid. And you'd, you kind of be like, where did that come from? And I don't know if he even knew where that came from. It was just these random moments where like you would really get embarrassed and you were like, that's when I would like lose it and then turn it on and use my strength and weight and get in trouble because he would get hurt. But he had, he had some really interesting ones that I remember he would just throw us or something crazy and it would be like, okay, it's on. <laughs> I would call him Slick Willie. Yeah. <laughs> so you also have five sisters. So, um, and it, it, I don't know. They, I don't think they ever formally got involved in wrestling, but I'm sure that they were involved in some of these, uh, these battles. They ever, they were oh involved. man, uh, yeah. So when most people that know us, they see our sisters, and you know they're they're very they're girly, and and you know you would you, you wouldn't see that side of them. Um, and uh, but in the house, uh, whew, man, my sisters were really good, really tough every one of them had kind of their own unique uh, toughness about them. And specifically, uh, I could go down the list. It'd probably be really embarrassing for my sisters to hear this, but uh, my sister Christine was like really strong. She had this crazy strength that I think most people would, would, would not assume she had. My sister Bridget was kind of crazy, um, very aggressive. And, uh, but they all like, they, they never, they would just jump in and just mess with us or they'd wrestle each other. And uh, we, you know, you just kind of underestimate them, but they watched so many matches. They probably had more wrestling knowledge than most, you know, guys in high school. They just had seen it so much. And so occasionally when they would wrestle, you'd be like, where did you learn that? Oh my gosh. Um, so we did, so, you know, having all, all brothers, we like to pretend like we were protecting them and kind of keeping the guys at bay. But honestly, they would have been able to handle themselves 10 times over they ever needed to so but yeah they were they were really tough really tough and women's wrestling just wasn't popular back then there was not a lot that many opportunities and I think um you know with just a little bit old school style thinking I I think nobody would have wanted to to probably try to wrestle my sisters anyways because they would have been staring across five brothers and a wrestling coach so a little (laughs) intimidating (laughs) To that point, so I know it must have been pretty cool for you to get the chance to wrestle for your father and with your brothers in high school. Um, you had a super successful high school career as a four-time, you know, Tennessee state champion. Um, can you just tell us about some of the memories of high school wrestling and what you did to be one of the best wrestlers in, uh, in Tennessee state history? And I also want to hear if you were, uh, I know you think you were a contemporary of uh, Coach Wards, um, if you ever heard of him he once told me if you weren't from Saudi that you weren't nobody and you were not from Saudi Daisy so I just wanted to hear you know if there was any uh any of you guys ever got the chance to scrap with him or knew about him growing up yeah before I get to that uh Chattanooga arrogance um I'll talk a little bit about my high school so I, I don't know I guess being from Tennessee we didn't have a lot of exposure to a lot of things back then um and so I didn't you know, we didn't, we didn't really, I didn't really know what was out there. Um, and so, you know, kind of a small, the world was smaller then, um, especially in the wrestling community. And so like, you know, the few things that we had 
more like Fox catcher um, magazine newsletter, amateur wrestling news. And so you would just, I would read articles and things like that. And so that's kind of how the only outside of Tennessee was what I had. And then my dad was, um, was pretty connected to a couple different things. So Tennessee was just small. And so it was easy to be probably a bigger fish in a small pond. Um, most kids probably didn't start wrestling in Tennessee until they were in middle school or high school. That was probably the first real opportunity because year-round wrestling was not popular back then. There just wasn't any clubs. The club systems didn't really exist. And so you had a few USA wrestling events um, in the springtime, I would say. Uh, so you'd have a few tournaments that we'd, we'd go to. Um, and so as a kid, I probably had so much more hours of wrestling, even though I didn't um, – even though they weren't like uh, – practices they I would just you know show up at tournaments and we'd wrestle that was it and so um, I probably we had an advantage on that end we were so far more advanced for where we're where we you know in Tennessee than a lot of these kids and so you know that early success probably breeded more success and probably gave me um, it's fun to win nobody likes losing and so for me I enjoyed that and enjoyed dreaming about being one of the best and so I just kept as I grew and got to different levels it just kept feeding off of it I think and so yeah so when I was in high school I was already at that point I was I was getting I was watching a lot of film that I was getting from um, a couple of different people on NCAAs and I was picking up on a lot of the different technique when you live in, when you're from New Jersey and Pennsylvania and you, you're like Brian Rowan, you, you get to be an encyclopedia of all the kind of the technique and the ways of things coming in and wrestling evolves. Um, that's one of the really neat things about wrestling is, is it continually evolves and you start seeing kids do these crazy things and the techniques and, um, you know, so I, I didn't have that exposure probably until I started getting into high school. And so that, I think that really helped me because I was doing things that other kids had never seen. Uh, me and Patrick and William, we just were way, probably way more advanced for Tennessee wrestling. So um, that probably made it easier. I don't think I would have had probably the same success um, if I would have been in a different state early on, because I think the playing field would have been a little bit more level, but, um, so it kind of Tennessee fit me. Uh, I got, I, I was a late bloomer. So it wasn't like I was extremely physically gifted. I just was probably more advanced and just knowing wrestling and knowing positions. But, uh, but yeah, so let me talk a little bit about that kid from Saudi Daisy, uh, Kevin Ward. So Kevin was really good. He was one of those kids too, that there was a handful of us that grew up wrestling um, at an early age. I don't know how he got into it, but I remember he was really good. And um, he had some really good technique and we would see each other at, you know, the few freestyle tournaments that we would go to. And then we had, uh, we'd go to the Southeastern regionals. And so I'd see him there and there was, because there's not a lot of Tennessee wrestlers, you kind of like, Oh, you know, it's like, you know, the few, the proud. Um, and uh, I remember he used to have a really nasty boot scoop and uh, I, you know, I, I, for some reason I could never hit that. And I just remember thinking like, Oh, he's so good. Uh, we I wrestled one time. I and some of those tournaments, you just wouldn't have a lot of kids. So at the very end of the tournament, they would kind of open it up to like, you know, if you wanted to challenge another kid at a different weight class or a different age group, you could. And 
I think, I'm not sure if I wanted to challenge Kevin or if my dad was like, you're going to wrestle this kid, Kevin Ward. Anyways, he about broke me in half. Um, he did a uh, crotch lift uh, and on the wrong side of my body. And so, like, um, I kind of was turned the wrong way and ended up having a medically forfeit, which was probably good for me because um, uh, he was probably going to beat me. He was, he was good. We were probably in seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, but funny story. Um, I knew him and, uh, remember watching him. And as we got older, you know, we got to be a little bit closer just because I think we both recognized that we were going to wrestle at the next level and we were both pretty good. And he was always a little bit as he was a little bit heavier than me, but, um, yeah, we both ended up uh, uh, going to uh, – actually, the only reason why I ended up at West Point really was because of him, because he was walking around with an Oklahoma bag. And I remember thinking, like, oh, okay, if Kevin's looking at Oklahoma. I should probably look at Oklahoma too. And that's how I ended up going to a wrestling camp um, in the summer. Um, and the assistant coach at Oklahoma at the time was Chuck Barbie. Wow. And so that's how I met Chuck Barbie. And, uh, and then we can fast forward, but – Kevin should have joined me at West Point. We went on the same recruiting trip to West Point. I thought he was coming with me, and then he uh, okey-doked out to Oklahoma State last second and left me hanging. <laughs> but it all worked out. Now look at him. I'd say things have, things have turned out pretty well for, for both of y'all, and uh, it's cool to hear how that's kind of come full circle. For, uh, yeah, he was on a really good team. He was part of a uh, – we had kind of an interesting – group of kids that were really good coming up our age range and uh and there was there was Saudi did have a couple of bodies there um that were pretty tough and so he uh he was one of them for sure um Chattanooga has an advantage because of UTC Nashville we don't really we're just a bunch of rednecks trying to learn how to wrestle but uh UTC having the college program right there really helped them so what other programs were you interested in? Obviously, you, you developed that relationship with with uh, Chuck. And, you know, was it like your sophomore, junior year? Like, what other schools were you interested in? Or was it like wherever Chuck was at, I was going there, and I didn't really talk to anybody else? No, I – man, I wanted to go to Iowa. That was my dream school. That was – as a kid, that's just what – I think every kid, if you followed wrestling, you were – you wanted to go to the best. And um, that was Iowa for me. But I sent in my – I made a homemade – and I'm really feeling old now talking about this. I did the same these, thing. <laughs> God, these kids these days, they have all this, like, really slick video. Um, they don't even probably have to put it together. You got these services that do it, and then you got flow wrestling. I mean, track wrestling, flow wrestling, all these places that do it. But I had to take one of those VHS recorders and that had dual – cassettes and so like you would play one and then you could record and stop recording while the other one was playing and so I had to make do a homemade highlight tape and send it to uh, a couple of coaches because no one really followed Tennessee wrestling and um and I didn't I went to I didn't go to Fargo until I was junior so I probably didn't go to enough tournaments to get exposed um at the level I needed to to get recruited at a high level but I did go to a couple um and I had so I put together some film I sent it to Iowa and I think the feedback that I heard was 
I was too skinny and not kind of their style, not built the way they have. And so I was a little disappointed. The first, first one was when Dan Gable retired, literally my junior year. Um, I told him when I was a kid, I met him, and I told him I was going to wrestle for him one day, and then he decided to retire before I got to college. So, um, so I didn't get recruited there, and that was a bummer for me. Um, and I went to Oklahoma my junior year, and so they kind of started slow, like just contacting me. But the ones at Nebraska contacted me, Mark Manning, when he first got there, and then um, let's see uh, – Missouri, obviously, with Brian Smith, that was probably the one that recruited me the most. Um, and then Rob Cole at Cornell, that was another one that I early on. And then Harvard was another one early on that I had kind of looked at. But yeah, it was it was it was interesting because I probably Missouri was the one that I was the closest to outside of West Point. But um, Coach Barbie, when I went to the Oklahoma camp, he was just a far superior technician. And I remember I kind of gravitated to him during that camp because his attention to some of the details were just incredible. And so I, I being a wrestling junkie, just really, uh, really liked that and was attracted to that. So when he um, called me, I was going crazy. I was like, yeah, Oklahoma's calling me. And he was like, well, I'm, I'm actually at West Point. I was like, oh. it's like, isn't that like a military school? You do like push-ups and stuff. And he's like, yeah, kind of, sort of. I was pretty disheartened by that at first, but, uh, but yeah, so that was that outside of him calling me when he got to West Point, it was really Missouri until senior nationals. I went to senior nationals and got second and then Oklahoma state started calling, but, um, I didn't get blinded by the light. I was already kind of had a chip shoulder that no one really recruited me. And so I was like, not going there. <laughs> So fast forward now a little bit to um, your plebe year. You know, you, you almost had like immediate success. I, I didn't even realize this until I was like looking through it. I thought kind of like your sophomore year, you kind of emerged and like not out of nowhere took third, but like, and I was looking back and I was like, wow, you were like the 10 seed your plebe year, lost in the round of 12 in a close match. So you were like, you were there. You know, was that, did you have that success like right away at West Point? Like, did you know like, hey, I'm at that level now or? Kind of talk about your plebe year a little bit. Yeah, so I think there's two pieces of it. One, I was a dreamer. So even when I was a senior in high school, um, I had this itch and desire and this dream of being in NCAAs and being a national champion. And I, you know, it's like Kill Sanderson was, a, you know, doing his thing at Iowa State. Iowa State, and so it was just like a really – he was kind of revolutionizing the way people saw wrestling. Um, and I remember just – I was like, man, that's going to be me. I'm going to be a four-timer. I'm going to – you know, so I had this kind of dream in the background. But realistically, I was physically not there. I was really – I was just a, a, you know, slow grower. So I didn't really probably even – late bloomer let's just say that I think us all Simpsons were kind of late bloomers and so I was very physically probably not prepared maybe not even until I'm like my junior year so that was uh that was a big change for me so realistically I probably had a lot of growing that I needed to do but I think what allowed me to have success early on 
was just how much I hated losing. I, I hated, I hate losing probably more than I ever enjoyed winning. That's, I mean, I couldn't tell you what I did on some of the matches that I won, but I could probably tell you just about every match I lost. Um, and so I feel like the, those things haunt me. Um, and so, you know, I think what made me competitive, I knew I wasn't good on my feet. I was really good on the mat when I first came in. And so I probably made a lot of, um, I had the success I had was, was on the mat and for my feet, I had to compensate for not being as quick or strong with my hips, um, by headbutting guys a lot. So, uh, literally my, I just, I, I wasn't strong. I wasn't I physically just was not there yet. And so, and I didn't move, I, I wasn't really, I didn't move on my feet very well. And so I learned really quickly that if I didn't slow guys down, that I was going to get exposed. Um, and so off the whistle, I would kind of lead with my head really, really quickly. Like, I mean, like kind of bull rush them. And it was a little bit of a, I'd call it a legal headbutt because they, they could have avoided if they just got their face out of the way. But um, that what that usually did was it kind of, I think, caught people off guard a little bit. Um, nobody is expecting somebody to headbutt them in the first second of a match. But literally that was that became kind of my strategy was like I had to kind of slow them down a little bit. And that was one way I could kind of knock people off the horse a little bit and slow them down so that they would have to wrestle my pace. I could scramble really well. And so if people got to my legs, I could scramble. But if somebody got to my legs and blew through me, I didn't have a chance. I just, I didn't have good position. I wasn't strong enough. And so because I hated losing so much, I, I, I was very gritty and I was probably, that was probably actually the toughest I've ever been at wrestling. Um, physically, I was probably a lot meaner my freshman year than I ever was any other year because I just, that was what I had to do to win. I had to be mean. I had to, I just had to, that was it. Like I, so, and I, I, I don't, my success my freshman year was kind of a snowball. I started out, no one knew who I was. I first tournament, I pinned a kid named Nate Parker, who was Oklahoma, who, who had transferred from Penn State to Oklahoma and he was ranked. And so it was the first time I was like, okay. Well, I can beat, I can beat ranked guys. I kind of caught him a little bit in a wrist and half, which people underestimate. And I had a pretty good wrist and half. Um, but then as the season got on, I started getting better at um, not necessarily catching people, but just again, slowing matches down and keeping it within my, my whole goal was to frustrate people and wear them down. And then I could score points on top or at least, allow myself to put myself in a position where I could score late in the match. Cause I couldn't score early on just people were too good. Um, and so that was a little bit of my strategy. Um, but as the season got on, I got better at the strategy piece and knowing when to pick and choose taking my, taking risky shots or trying to score points. And so I just got better at developing that. And I knew the matches that I had to keep close and try to win in certain areas, positions, and then the matches that I just, I could go out there and let it go. And it wasn't until my sophomore year that I was just like, I'm just going to go score a bunch of points. But freshman year was hard. It was a beat down. You guys all know just 
one, the physical toll it takes on you going from high school to college wrestling is enough at, and then you throw in West Point and, you know, all that stuff in there. And I remember my practice partners were, my classmates were, were probably in the same boat as me physically and just learning. But um, we had a, a senior firsty, Eric Miller, and he was, he wasn't like the best technician, but he was just a workhorse. And man, I remember parts of the season where I just was like, just, he physically manhandled me. And that was tough. That was hard, but that prepared me probably. I mean, that was what I was facing when I was in competition against the top guys. They were just physically mature and strong. Yeah. The difference between that 18 and 22 year old or 23, you know, can't really be understated. This is oh, huge. huge difference. The huge Jimmy, Jimmy Rafferty mentioned in there, but he played a similar role to what he was saying. Um, and I remember, it is a, it's a huge, huge jump. So, I understand. Yeah. So, kind of moving on from your plebe here. So, you had a, you know, what you all Americaned at three different weights, but normally people would go from like 149, one, you know, 141, yeah. seven. That's like the normal kind of pro, you know, progression. You went 41, 57, 49. Talk to us a little bit about that and, you know, maybe the weight cutting struggles at 41 and then the decision to bump up to 57 and back down. Talk to us a little bit through that. Yeah. So again, like I said, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. So I was growing quite a bit. My, you know, plebe and yuck year, freshman, sophomore year. It was a little bit of a cut my freshman year. I came in and was like, I think before I went, we went to beast, I was probably weighing about 140 and I came out of beast. I think I heard Matt Kyler's story too, like, you know, John Anderson, where you just blow up really, you know, it's that mess hall food or something, but like blew up and I was like weighing 150 something. I was like, what in the world is going on here? Where did it go? Because I sure don't look like, you know, I, I didn't, didn't have bulging biceps or anything. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, but I was able to make it my freshman year. Sophomore year was a really tough cut for me. Um, and then I grew so much that I got to like, I was probably mid 160s, upper 160s. I felt great. And I was just practicing in the wrestling room with a couple of the guys at that weight. And, you know, when you're 141 looking at 157 pounders, they're massive. They're like, oh man, I can't wrestle those guys. They're just, they're massive, right? But then when I actually gained all that weight, I realized like they don't move very fast up here. They're a little bit slow. Um, and I was tearing them up. I was getting to their, I mean, it was like so easy. It's like a, you know, a tree in the forest that just falls. It's like real slow and you're watching it. It was like, that's, that's how their legs were moving. So I was like, this is like easy pickings. I mean, I could really just shoot and get to any one of their legs without any problem. So I was like, this is kind of fun. So 57 was really realistic. And I, I felt like I had some early, well, I had success, but that was a weird year for me. My junior year was a really, really weird year for me. Um, I, I had to adjust a little bit because my feet, I could get to their legs. I was way better probably on feet than I thought I was going to be, but being on top was a little bit tougher because um, I think when I was at 141, I was able to use my leverage a lot more. And so, uh, you know, I could ride legs and, and like, my leverage was just probably really helpful. 
And then when you start wrestling 157 pounders, they're a lot taller. And, and so like, I think riding legs was not as, I had to adjust a little bit there. So my feet got better, but my top probably wasn't, I wasn't as effective then. Um, and then I had a, a number of concussions and my weight came down throughout the year. And I remember NCAAs, my junior year, I was weighing 155. So I was actually below the weight class. So that, I didn't like that at all. Um, and then I realized too, I probably wasn't, that was the, I was not as in good of shape my junior year as I was any of the other years because I didn't have to cut weight. When you cut weight, it just, it forces you to have to do a lot of extra stuff. And I think one that it, it just builds more mental toughness. And then it just, by nature, I was just in such good shape. So when I was 157, I, I felt like I wasn't where I needed to be physically. Um, I wasn't in good enough shape. And then as my weight came off throughout the year, I was like 41 is probably where I need to be. And so then I, it was easy, easier to make that decision to go to 49. Mm-hmm. So. Crazy how that works. I look back at some of my years, like in high school where, you know, like at the beginning of the season, that weight cut, maybe, maybe you just cut weight maybe a little bit better going to 57 the first couple of times and your body naturally comes down a little bit more. Yeah. And I remember when you're, you'd balloon up and like, I'd start the year at, you know, maybe you know, five or seven pounds above the weight class. And then by the, the end of the year, you're 15 pounds over the day after. And you're like, wait, what happened? And yeah. Like, yeah. That was, and it was really weird. I mean, like you see it more now that was really kind of unheard of when I was, when I was wrestling, you didn't see people jump weights that much. Um, I, I mean, I, I actually, I think, not sure, but I, I might've been one of the first ones to all American at three different weight classes. Now it's no thing. I mean, you got Kyle Dake who won national title at a different weight class every year. So um, just people have gotten, wrestling has gotten so much better positionally that people can do that. I think back in the day that, it just was different. And so weight cutting was an advantage to certain degrees because the technique was not as advanced. And so you, the style was different. It was a lot more banging and a lot more um, power and explosiveness. And so people were just not wanting to, to go up weight classes. Whereas now I think the sports change, they look at nutrition differently. They look at weight cutting differently. And I think kids are more open to going different weight classes. And I think it's a great thing um, for sure. But I remember that was just unheard of when I did that. And, um, you know, for me, I, I learned a lot that year. That was probably the worst year for me from a awesome standpoint. Even through what was uh, like a pretty, you know, challenging year from a lot of like wrestling I guess standpoint you still managed to have a ton of success and um, across the different weight classes that's something that like a lot of people you know weren't doing at the time and especially at West Point um, with you know different years presenting different problems for things outside of the board uh, I remember actually you specifically told us early on in my uh, cadet career like that the, the things that West Point threw at you they could be viewed as excuses or they could also be viewed as things that um, that helped you so uh, could you just like explain a little bit about how you wrestled so consistently at such a high level within the demanding environment at West Point? Like, what did you do to, uh, to kind of rise above um, an environment that's taken a lot out of a lot of really good, talented folks? 
Yeah. Well, I think it's one, probably the most important thing is the mindset, right? So for, for it, I mean, again, I, I go back to just thinking about uh, how much I hated losing. Um, you know, I mean, it, if I ever felt like I couldn't change the results or couldn't do something different, I would have just found another sport. But I, that's why I liked wrestling was like, I could always find a way to get better or find a way to improve and get to a different level. Um, and so West Point was no different. It just, you're going to have challenges no matter where you go to school. It's just, they, they get wrapped up in different ways. And, uh, and it's just really how you handle it um, than others. West Point's got unique challenges that may be viewed as different and more difficult than other colleges. But, you know, I would say I didn't have the challenge of like having over, uh, you know, social life was not too terribly uh, difficult, you know, whereas like I imagine if you're at a Penn State or Missouri or somewhere like that, you know, like, you know, there's just a lot more distractions in that area. But, um, you know, all the actual things at West Point were, were wholesome. They were good. Um, they were great. They were good distractions, but I just prioritized things differently that allowed me to keep wrestling at the very forefront of what I wanted to do. I, I knew that, I mean, West Point is just, it's such an awesome place. You got just amazing people from everywhere, all walks of life. And they're so talented, um, academically, uh, athletically, um, just emotionally, mentally, that the, the, the person that, you know, West Point just requires a certain type of person for you to even get there is a pretty amazing achievement. And so you get there and everyone's just the best at what they're the best at. Right. And so I looked across and I, when I was at West Point and there's, um, there's a, there's, you know, military life, you got academic life, and then you have your wrestling life. And I remember there were the kids that loved the military. They were like Sandhurst, Hua, all the way. And I mean, they were, you know, messing with their rucksacks in the middle of the year on a Saturday. And it was like, you know, I, it's amazing. They, you know, and then you had the kids that were always studying. They were always studying. And so like, in a way, West Point's such a competitive place and you're always trying to compete with your peers in different areas, whether it's the military or the academic. And it was like, I looked at that and I was not interested in trying to be the best at any of those because I knew that I, if I spent my time trying to be good in those areas, I would not be able to reach my potential at wrestling. That didn't mean I didn't do the other things. I just didn't prioritize them the way that maybe other people do. So I, did, I didn't spend as much time probably academically as other kids would on the wrestling team or militarily as other kids would on the wrestling team. And, you know, West Point, by nature, everyone is challenging you to get better and be better. But that never bothered me that I, you know, didn't have the shiniest shoes or I didn't um, have a 3.5 GPA. It never bothered me because I knew that I, I could be the best at wrestling. I could be the best in that area. And so I kind of threw all my marbles in that was like, I'm not interested in being good or mediocre in all these facets. I'm interested in being really, really great. This is where I can leave my mark. And so that's just the mindset that I probably had. And so, um, 
that's probably what allowed me to let a lot of the things roll off my my back a little bit that maybe would bother other kids. I just they didn't distract me from what I wanted to do. I, I didn't view any of those things as keeping me back from being able to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Um, and and what you know, probably again, what drove me at the core of it was really I wanted to win. I hated losing, and so I was going to find ways, unique ways, um, to to do that at West Point, and so a lot of unique things that you would probably do um, at other places that I would do. But I kind of, I, I loved it. I love that piece of it. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Appreciate that. So kind of moving into some specific West Point, like wrestling stuff, uh, practices. When you came into the camp um, when I was in North Carolina for, um, you know, a couple of years back, you talked about tough practices and, you know, wrestling with your brother Patrick and John Anderson and some of those tough battles. I remember specifically you got into like one practice that was like you thought it was over and then it wasn't and there was like sprints at the end. I'd like you to share that story because I remember I remember just thinking about it and being like, man, John and Patrick are tough. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, Such a good story. I remember hearing that and being like, oh, my I, just I think the wor- one of the worst things that a coach can ever do to, to you know, mentally, mentally stress some kids out is, like, you can wrestle really, really hard for a finite period of time. You can give your all if you know that practice is going to be an hour and a half, right? You can give your all if you know you're going to go live for 10 minutes, and, and then you can sprint as hard as you're going to sprint if you know that you got five sprints. I think the worst feeling in the world is when a coach says – all right, we might have another one. And you, you just never know when it's going to end, right? And that's what will break a lot of people um, is not being able to know what the end time is. And so it was really effective probably because it toughened a lot of people up, but it also exposed a lot of people. And I probably was no different. Um, I wasn't one of those guys that would break mentally and, and like lose it, but I would – there's always that like feeling that would creep in. I would probably isolate myself more when, when, when things were like that would happen, I'd isolate myself more and just kind of zone in and focus. Um, and then you would, because I was probably mentally battling with that in my head. Like, this is, this is baloney. I can't, I mean, just freaking tell, or, we got 10 more. We got two more. Just freaking tell me so we can get it done, you know? And I remember one of those practices and I can't remember if it was coach Barbie or, or, um, Sammy Henson or someone, somebody was running practice and they started pulling those shenanigans again. Um, and a lot of times I used to think like, it's because people are not, somebody's not practice. Somebody's being lazy in practice and they're going to, they're going to, we're going to keep doing this until somebody, you know, gives it their all. So that used to make me mad because I always, you know, worked hard, but I looked over there and I remember looking at Patrick and John and they were kind of different mentally already, but they were like, like pumping themselves up and like ready to go. And like, and I just remember being like, what is wrong with them? And uh, they were just eating it up. And it was like, it was like the harder it got and the worse the situation was, they were like having more fun. And I remember thinking that was kind of a light bulb, that moment that went off one that I was like, damn, my brother Patrick is really tough. Um, I was really proud of him in a lot of ways because he had a just being below me and having to, 
he never even probably got to wrestle at his normal weight because I was always right above him. But he had a hard time, and and but getting to see him turn into just such an animal, um, you know, him and John fed off each other. John was more naturally probably like that. And then I think Patrick just developed that out of necessity because he also hated to lose. And so he developed this unbelievable toughness, mental toughness. And I remember the whole team was probably just thinking the same way as me, just very frustrated and ready for practice to be done. And it was just like those two kids were like, they were like kids at a candy store. I mean, they were just like, I just remember thinking like, there's something wrong with them. And, but, but it was attractive in a way. It was like, okay. I can get behind that. Um, and it wasn't just that it was, it, whether it was the ski slope running up the ski slope or lifting, it just became a mindset that they had that they started to, to like demonstrate. And I think people started to notice that. And it was like, that's a leader. That's because it wasn't any less hard for them than it was for us. It was just their attitude and the way they approached it. That was just so, drastically different than everyone else and I remember thinking that's special um that's very unique you don't see that my uh my plebe year I was uh Patrick was my was my partner and uh I remember like my hardest practice I may have said it on here before I can't remember but Chuck had like the clock going and we assumed that there was like you know probably like 20 minutes left in practice and it was just like a running clock and it was like drill kind of matches where it's like real tough. And it just kept going for like an hour, like way longer. And I just remember, and I, I tell that story to people and I'm like, yeah, like it would have been one thing if I was going with somebody else, but I was going with Patrick. So like there was no letdown of intensity like at all. And I just remember being so mad during that like 40 minute to where like I thought it was 20 minutes. Cause it was, you know, let's say it was a two hour practice and you're like, okay, there's probably 20 minutes here will turn into like a three hour practice and they just like let it go on. I just remember when I tell that story, I'm like, you don't understand. I was with Patrick this time. Like, it wasn't like I was like, I had to deal with another wrestler. Like, okay, we can let, you know, slack off a little bit. And uh, yeah, they just, it's almost like they get more energy as that goes, you know, it's like they feed off of that. Like, you know, some people when they get taken into the deep waters, start to panic a little bit and you know start to flail and it's almost like they revel in that and you started seeing that in the way they would win matches and I remember being like you know it got to the point where it was like if they were down five points in the third period it's like oh, they got this this is this is this is this is nothing and they would literally they'd be down five six points and they would break the guy and win by seven or eight Cause it would be like, they'd take him down, let him up, take him down, let him up. And the guy would just be laying there and then they would just like throw him on their back, get back points, whatever. It was just like, it, it, just, it was something that they developed such confidence in being able to wrestle really hard the entire match, but know that once it got to that third period that the other guy just didn't have anything left. And then that's when they really kind of took off. Challenge. This topic kind of reminds me of uh, that CrossFit event in the in the final five where the Castro this year decided to like oh no you're actually you're midway through the event not half you know, through. I don't know, I don't know if you uh, yeah I, test, I tested that one and um, I know hope folks were surprised because Dave told me to turn back around I said yes sir because it was it's exactly like um, what Phil's mentioning um, we've done this before you know there's we've had 
all of us have had probably hundreds of practices where you think it's done at a certain point or, you, you know, it's one more takedown or it's always one more. Coach Heskin even had a thing um, as part of like his kind of his mentality is trying to get to the program a plus one. Right. And so that would always come up in everything we did. Plus one minute, plus one takedown, plus one more hill sprint. Uh, a lot of good memories from from that on my end. But for, for you specifically, Phil, um, for your cadet years, I know you mentioned some really good memories you just had there within the practice room. Uh, what was your overall best memory of being a cadet? Mm. Man, honestly, the whole experience. I was probably a rare person there. I loved West Point. Like, I really did. Um, there was not, I mean, there were some tough moments, sure. But I really, truly loved the experience. Um, I loved I loved the people there, um, my classmates, um, my mentors were just incredible top-notch people. I mean, y'all had, uh, I call him Lieutenant Colonel Arredondo. He was Captain Arredondo when I was a cadet there. And um, just the quality of people. Um, it's just one of those places that you, even if you didn't want to get better at being a person, at being a leader, just you can't help it. You're just surrounded by just really good people. And, you know, in today's day and age, I think it's tough. You got to go find those people. Whereas at West Point, they were coming to you. Mm. Everyone was trying to invest in you. Um, and so just the whole experience was just, I, I mean, I, I know it sounds really weird and cheesy, but I, I like, I missed it the day I left, I was missing it. Um, I missed having my brother, having my brother Patrick there. Um, and then when William and Brian would come up on the weekends um, from prep school, it just was such a, such a great experience for me. Um, life was so simple. Um, I think I had great perspective on what really mattered. Um, I didn't get hung up on a lot of those details that probably make people frustrated with the experience at West Point because I, at the end of the day, I knew what really mattered was just being around really good people, learning how to be a good leader, um, getting experiences that other people wouldn't, would never in their wildest dreams be able to have. And I was getting them every day. And I think I just really appreciated it. I was extremely grateful for that opportunity. And I, I never took that for granted. And so um, I think people struggle at West Point or go through these ups and downs uh, when they lose sight of that. And, um, and unfortunately, I don't, for whatever reason, I never did. And so I loved every bit of it. I still have dreams about being there and I miss it and I miss the people. Um, just nowhere else, no other time in your life where you're going to be surrounded by so many capable people. That doesn't mean everyone there is great. That doesn't mean every mentor or every teacher you're going to have is great but the vast majority of people there are there because they care because they want to be better um they know where they're going in life they have focus and direction they love challenges nowhere are you going to be around that many people um and if you can go through your four years at west point and come out and not having become a better person then that's i just think that that's impossible they won't let you Everyone is pouring into you. And it's just such a great feeling when you know that you can you have all that just at the tips of your fingers. And so you can make the most of it. Um, and it's just, 
yeah, I, so one special moment. I don't think I can pinpoint one, but I have a, probably a lot of little ones tied up in probably mostly with my brother, Patrick, um, just being able, probably the times I had the most was when I was reflecting back on just how incredible, I mean, like I just, there were times where I was just like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I get to be a part of this. Um, you know, being from Nashville, Tennessee, not having really anyone in my immediate family in the military, it was just very different, but getting to be a part of something special, like that's just really neat. So yeah, probably all those. I remember um, up, a lot of people probably don't know this channel. You probably don't know, but I came up to uh, ring weekend with Willie. Uh, for, well, we were, me and Willie were his dates and um, that's right. The, uh, I remember one thing distinctly the first night because we were we were sleeping in your barracks room, um, which I don't know is it, we're, we're even allowed to. I don't know if that's like a probably thing. not. I didn't. I broke some rules. <laughs> but Patrick was over, and then like last minute, um, Patrick like went on pass for the weekend. And we're like, you're gonna use a pass for this? He's like, I want to sleep over, you know. So Patrick used one of his passes as a cow. You know, he wasn't even going anywhere. He was staying in the barracks. But just so he could like hang out with us all that night, that was a uh, that was like my first vivid memory of West Point, you know, because I was in prep school and every other visit before then was up at you know was as like a you know, as a recruit or things like that. And this was early on prep school years, so I always remember that. But yeah, that was a that was a fun weekend. Yeah, just think about that, man. Somebody's willing to blow a pass just to just to spend more time, just in a better, more intimate setting where you can have fun. Like that's yeah. That's Patrick. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, yeah, I mean, that yeah. But I think the whole my whole experience was full of people like that, and I think it just it it magnifies your strengths. It gives you the opportunity to really grow in the areas that you could be that you know everyone's going to have their things that they're good at or not good at, and I think it just allows people to blossom. Um, you know, if you take advantage of the things there. I can't, I honestly could never say enough good things about the place and the people. Um, and I, I, I said that when I was there. And so it wasn't one of those things that was like, I didn't appreciate West Point until I left. It's like, dude, I loved every bit of it. It's funny you say that. So kind of transition, you know, after that, you went into the world-class uh, athlete program at WCAP. Can I talk about that transition? You know, you branched infantry. Um, you know, elected to go that route uh, mm -hmm. as an infantry officer, but a very different path. Um, talk about that transition a little bit. Yeah. So, man, um, probably one of the harder decisions I've ever had to make. Going to West Point wasn't as hard as I think people, I know it wasn't hard for me. Choosing what I wanted to do after I graduated, because I did branch infantry. That's what I wanted to do. Um, deciding to do the world class athlete was hard because a part of me longed to be with soldiers longed to get that experience that you hear about from your mentors and from everyone else and you know there's i learned to love you know i probably went to west point not having a love for the military or love being in the military it just was like yeah that'll be cool but it wasn't like i love the military i can't wait to be in the army i can't wait to lead troops like that that never crossed my mind but as you 
as I was there, you, you learn all these things and you get to see different people and hear different experiences. Then it just grows on you. Just think, man, what an incredible opportunity to be able to do what we get to do when we graduate, whether it's infantry or military police or field artillery, whatever it is, whatever you get into, like to be able to come out and be a part of an organization like the army and get to lead troops. Um, it, it, it's just, it's incredible. And so it grew on me while I was there. And so having to decide between infantry and WCAP was extremely difficult. But I think at the end of the day, what I kept coming back to was the army has given me an opportunity to chase my dreams. Um, and I had a number of people believed in me and classmates that were like, you'd be stupid not to do this. You know, they were, instead of being jealous or saying like, you know, you didn't join to, you know, to go wrestle, you, you know, you should be, you know, you should do the army thing. Like they were genuinely wanted me to do it. And so I think at the end of the day, I, I came to the conclusion that for me, had this incredible opportunity that the army gives to people that they feel like can be of value doing that. And so that's kind of how I came to grips with letting go of maybe the traditional route as an infantry officer and doing this. And it was really particularly hard when Patrick graduated and he started doing that and then he deployed to Iraq. And there were, that was probably a big challenge for me when I was training at the Olympic training center was, you know, when you get to that level, um, Chandler, you, you probably experience this now, when you start competing at a high level on something, it becomes extremely selfish. Um, and that's very unnatural for one, for me, and then unnatural for, you know, what we, that environment that we grew up in at West Point, where, you, you know, they're teaching you how to be a leader, how to think about others and how to put others' needs in front of your own. And it's easy. You can do that on a team sport. You can do that at college. You know, you got that environment. But when you're in WCAP, it's all about you. Um, it's a very different mindset. And so I struggled with that probably. Um, but to be the best, um, that's just the mindset that yeah, I think you have to have a little bit. And so whatever successes I didn't have was probably because that was one of my biggest struggles was learning how to just immerse myself into myself and just be all about myself all the time. And um, it can be off-putting um, if people don't know how to balance that or at least portray themselves not in that way. But I think when you get down to it, really, really, really successful people in individual sports particularly are so immersed in every little detail about their life and the things that they need to get to the next level and be successful. It just requires so much time and energy on you, and I didn't like that. Um, and so it was really particularly hard when I saw Patrick and then, you know, the other teammates going out and doing things and getting to be leaders, and it just was like, here I am focused on myself and my wrestling, and it just was hard for me to wrap my head around that. But um, I got to do what I love. I got to – reach probably levels and learn more about myself and those things than I ever would have. Um, I think I struggled with, I had more success at West Point having all those distractions than when I got to a place like Colorado Springs and had no distractions. All I was supposed to do was wrestle. That was really hard for me. Um, so it was a different, very different experience. 
uh, I loved it. Uh, I ended up learning to love it a lot more and kind of found that right balance that I needed. Um, and then I got married and started having kids. And I think that even helped me put perspective on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a very different world, um, very different counter to what we, what's instilled in us at West Point. So you just have to be very cautious about that and know how to balance that. Definitely, definitely empathize with that. Like uh, the higher up you get, you gotta, you know, continue to find the, the smaller things because everyone, everyone's doing the big things, right? And the smaller things often involve, you know, asking more time, more sacrifices for yourself. Um, and then as someone who's looking out for other people, uh, you know, as a husband, as a father, as a teammate, like that gets harder and harder to do. Um, and I know you said that your when you were deciding to go and take this route of joining WCAP, you had some good support from your classmates and you kind of like leaned on them. And I feel like I, I lean on um, my classmates, and my friends from school a lot for like, just kind of making sure my head's on straight. I'm not married or anything like that, but do you still keep up with those classmates? Like um, how has that relationship with them evolved? And I know you mentioned how much you loved West Point, like how much of those relationships outside of, you know, your, your familial ones, have you uh, continued to carry with you as you've gone forward into your adult life? Yeah, honestly, I, I don't think I probably have done as great of a job as I wish. Um, I think that's always something I, th I think about. Um, I think about my classmates um, all the time. I think about my wrestling teammates all the time. Um, my class and the, the years above me and the years below me. I think about them random times during the day. Um, you know, um, but do I actually stay connected with them? No, I just it's it's hard um again that's why west point was so special it's like you get so many people all in one area it's easy to it's easy to do that but then they all scatter and, and then you go out and you have different networks and that you you become a part of in the business world or whatever it is and so it gets to be really challenging but what i appreciate the most um about my classmates about my teammates is when we do connect um it's man it just feels so good you just you it brings back so much good memories and you realize like those are the moments that you kind of like man that that was just such a special time that you just you could never you can't duplicate that and you pick up where you left off it's like literally i could pick up the phone and probably call doug reynolds or tj or joe forsman or tyreedy um and literally we'd be talking like it was no, you know, there would be no awkward silence. There'd be no awkwardness about any of it. It, it would be like, I would, I'd be smiling. It would just be incredible. So, you know, the, the moments I do get to stay in touch with them, they're, they're very special, but it just, it gets to be very hard. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so not as good as I, I would like, but I think everybody probably goes through that. It's just life gets busy. Um, but really, honestly and truly, this is why I think what you guys are doing, um, you and Jordan specifically, Brian, it's re, it's it's creating a an avenue for people to kind of reconnect back to the program, get to listen to stories from people maybe that weren't there when we were there, but you know, getting to listen to that, it just floods your memories with those kind of things that set it apart and makes you just think about those classmates again and think about teammates and it just reminds you how cool this is so 
again, I told, I kind of mentioned earlier, I went on a little bit of a binge listening to the Beha radio over Thanksgiving weekend. And it just was, it was dangerous. I was like, man, I don't got this. I don't got this amount of time to spend on podcasts with all my kids and all the other things. So I got to be careful that I don't, you know, um, <laughs> overdo this here, but it was really cool. I had my, had my headphones on and I was like, doing yard work. I was probably so inefficient because I was just sitting there. I was like, so immersed. I was like, this is great. Um, <laughs> well, glad, glad you appreciate that. But yeah, I'm going to ask you after this, once, once this podcast is live that you need to text it out to all your classmates and that way they can take a listen. You guys can yeah. maybe, maybe catch up over text message. I know my classmates, you know, we've reconnected. We have like a, a USMA 2009 wrestlers group text now. That's awesome. Whenever somebody's like has a baby or something like that, like I'll screenshot it on social media and send it to them. That way we can like reconnect or share a funny memory. Um, and yeah, that's I mean, you got to do that. I mean, I, I think that's it, it's hard to do. Once you do it, you just feel you appreciate it. Like Tyree has probably been my just just a phenomenal leader. He's gotten our class kind of back together since you guys have been doing this and and. uh people on it pulls everyone around them in because they want to hear it or they want to you know um so it's i think it's really helpful for just the person that have been part of the west point rustling yeah breaking up a little bit but i think i got the gist of it there <laughs> Um, so kind of moving on from that, you know, before we wrap things up, you know, kind of want to see like what you're up to these days. Are you still involved in wrestling? I imagine so, since you had you know, 25 kids, 25 kids, you got a little army, you got a little army of future wrestlers ahead. You know, what are you up to these days? Yeah, so uh, living my bro. EM keeps me updated on all things wrestling. So is my internet slowing down here? Kind of, uh, yeah, it's going a little choppy. Just the last like 20 seconds or so. Okay. Um, if I need to, to, too many people are probably jumping on. Um, I can reconnect to different uh, Wi-Fi if you guys need me to. But just in, uh, you know, I stay in this, I stay on the outside probably now more. Um, and just, I, I love keeping up with Army wrestling through William. Um, and then Patrick's uh, head coach at my old high school with my dad. And my dad had been the head coach for a number of years and turned the program over this year to Patrick. And it's just been really cool watching him get to, to, to take it now. And, um, you know, I got uh, my brother-in-law is Patrick Marchetti. So he married my sister, Claire. And so, you know, it, it's fun to have that. Um, I get to see all the time he works with me um and then uh my sister rose uh is engaged to uh luke hoxton so he's a uh, recent grad um going through iobc and uh so he's going to be part of the family soon um so we give him a little bit of a hard time not too bad but uh so uh it's nice it's like uh, i'm still always around it um just on the outside um so, but I got my kids and I've, I've been uh, helping on the little kids wrestling program um, for my, for Patrick's high school. Um, and so I do that as much, but it's, you know, um, 
it's amazing how much you, I, I realize like it's really tough to teach a second grader how to do a lot of those things. You know, it's like you got to dumb it down. And you realize like, man, I got to get better at coaching these things. And uh, but it's it's been fun um, doing that, and then watching my kids kind of. Uh, so my my kids actually mirror my family's uh, all the way to the almost the very end. So the first three in my of my kids are boys, and so they remind me a lot of me, Patrick, and William. They're always horse playing, rough housing, um, and wrestling everywhere. Uh, hardwood floors, carpet. Um, luckily, they're not big enough to where they're really breaking things, although they they, they have done that a few times. Um, and I've tried to tell my wife, I was like, listen, you're going to have to tamper your expectations. We can't have anything nice in the house because it's just going to get broken. Um, and uh, But I love watching them. Um I wish they probably weren't as competitive as they are because they're, they, again, remind me probably of the way we are. It just gets to be a little crazy. Um, but uh, I uh, have some old mats that I used when I was training at the Olympic Training Center that I, I pull out every winter and I put it in the middle of our, we got a, a, a big room. Um, and so it's like, I just pull it out, lay it out and the kids just go wild on it and wrestle. And so I haven't done a lot of technique with them yet just because I, there's no need to, it's more just developing a love for the sport and just enjoying rolling around and grappling. <laughs> but how many of your kids you think will end up going to the Academy and wrestling? I guess I should say that first with your family. Oh man, if I could, <laughs> I wish I could say all of them. Um, even the girls, cause I think the girls will be just as tough too. Um, remind <laughs> me of my sisters. Um, the oldest, my oldest son's got, unfortunately, he's got type 1 diabetes. And so, like, as selfish as that sounds, when, when he was diagnosed right before his um, second birthday, like, the first thing that crossed my mind was, like, dang it. I think that disqualifies him from West Point. Um, just, uh, you know, and it may, you know, when as they get older, it might not be the right fit for them. West Point's not the right fit for everybody. But I just, I know – the I know how incredible the place is and how much it can help you know you just develop and become a good person and good leader and so like I want that for my kids it's also free I mean that helps uh you know um so I always had this dream vision of my kids getting to do what me and Patrick and William uh got to do which was go be a part of the West Point wrestling community and go through a place like that and we'll see maybe they'll have uh you know, they, they all want to, even my oldest one, even though he, he knows that that's, he's not allowed to, he wouldn't be able to go right now with his diabetes. His backup plan is to uh, play football at Notre Dame. Um, he's in backup plan? <laughs> yes, his backup plan is to go play football at Notre Dame. He, he hadn't heard the Rudy story yet, uh, B-Row, so um, <laughs> I haven't, haven't introduced him to that yet, but uh, but he, he's a huge fan. Uh, I told him also because I don't think he's going to be very big. He'll probably be like me, a 149-pounder, um, full strength. But, uh, but yeah, so um, we'll see. But uh, they, they do love West Point. They, they love Army. Um, you know, it helps with William being up there and all his girls and boys get to uh, wear all the cool Army gear um, that they have, and so it makes them a little jealous. So, What's the over-under? This is the impromptu question. It's not in the Google Doc. But of your eight kids, and I don't know if you're, you're planning to have more, if that's that's in the cards, but how many yeah. of your kids would have to go to West Point for you to move the family up there? 
Oh man. I thought about that. Like if, if there's four there, like let's say there's four there, like the other four, maybe like thinking, Oh, you know, is there, could that be in the works, you know, maybe 10 years down the line? Uh, I would have to say zero chance uh, <laughs> only because if I moved up there, I would probably be way too immersed into, I'd probably be wearing my, my uniform again, sneaking on, on post, checking in on things, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I'm telling you, like, I, uh, I truly love and miss the place more than anyway. I mean, it, it, I don't talk about it as much cause I think about it more than anything, but, um, in another life, I would have never, I would have, I'd moved back up there and I would be working in Arvin gym if they let me, uh, just to be around cadets and be around it and be around the, the place. It's just incredible. But, uh, so I think I would just have to know that if I ever moved up there, I would probably be way overbearing. Um, and so to protect myself and, and embarrassing the kids and being that crazy kid, the guy that just won't let it go. Um, I have to, uh, put up literally physical barriers in the form of States. So I'll probably have to stay here in Nashville and just enjoy it from afar. But I bet I, I, I bet I'll have, I bet somebody ends up there. I would bet there are a lot of, a lot of contenders. I didn't know uh, that about Luke Hudson. Um, and I know between Pat and then I wrestled with Pat and his younger brother, Mark. Mark. Um, yeah, related to the Dunning family as well. Yeah, with your father and uncle, um, you know, both coaching against each other. Are there uh, are there any like family wrestle-offs or those things happen ever in, ever in like Thanksgiving? And are there any of those coming up or anything like that anymore? Do you guys still ever impromptu?s Yes. Um, now they take the the shape of standing straight and, and doing some Russian ties because that's about that's the old man. That's the lazy wrestling, right? Um, I couple years ago kind of uh I still have it I mean I, I think it never leaves you I got an itch you know like talking to you guys right now like um my body temperature is lowered and I'm cold. I've been cold since I've been talking to you just because my adrenaline's pumping um and uh but so I rolled with Patrick a couple years back and he's got some crazy freak strength and he only got better as he got older and he about broke my neck again and so I was like listen I can't wrestle you you're crazy and um, you're not reacting the way I need you to react to when I wrestle again. I'm a little bit of a prima donna when I wrestle, uh, but uh, I had to quit wrestling live with him because he was he was uh, too 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 much adrenaline pumping through his veins still. But uh, I can still pull it back together if I needed to. Um, just need give me a couple of weeks, get my get my back back into into shape. Getting old. I I feel that. You got what, five years, four years on me. Yeah, I know. As I'm sitting but here, you, you, I'm far enough away that I wouldn't do it like right now, but I'll always maintain a close distance that if I need to, I'll get it back in gear. You can make 149 if, if they needed you, John. Whew, I, I, I would. I would. Um, take me a little bit to get there, but yes. Yes. What do, what do you weigh right now? Like 165? You look, you look a little trimmer. Yeah, um, probably muscle, muscle atrophy, um, but, uh, but yeah, probably 163, 64, 65. So within striking range, for sure. A couple of decent, uh, decent cuts and I'll be there. That's a, that's a few days for, for you, you know. I guess yeah. Midlands 2021. 
it was it was supposed to be Midlands 2020. I was gonna make my comeback, you know, but nice. Damn, 2020 got us. But uh, where are you now, Miro? Next year, what? I said, where are you now? I was. Oh, I was. I was really gonna do it. I was not maybe gonna be. It was probably not gonna be the best decision of my life, but I was like, you know what? I want to enter in Midlands when I'm 35 years old. Okay. So well, what class did you go in? 74. Okay. All right. I bulked up a little bit. Yeah. I'll be bringing those guns out here. <laughs> Man, I saw. I saw. Oh, yeah, I don't see that. <laughs> so before we head out, um, who would you want to hear on the show? This will be the last question. Who, who, who do you want to hear? Now we're getting kind of like, we've, we've already done, you know, the, this is the, I think the 26th one. Um, so we've heard from a lot of different people. Who do you want to hear though, Phil? Um, truthfully, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I would say I like to hear classes speak. So not just one individual. I like to hear, I like to hear the banner back and forth between, um, between multiple people. So when you've had brothers on and you've had, uh, you know, you had our class on, I think that's a really cool setup. Um, so I think getting, getting a couple classes back and talk about, um, the different challenges that they may be faced, um, that are were unique, whether it was with the army or with the, the West Point at the time or the wrestling program. I like to, I like to get, get, uh, multiple perspectives. Um, so yeah, that, and then I just say, you know, um, I'm trying to think, uh, trying to think of some individuals, Matt Ross was one, he graduated before I got there, but he, uh, actually Kevin, uh, he hosted Kevin Ward, uh, on the recruiting trip. Um, and, uh, and he has, you know, just, he had a, 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 probably a really good college career battle through a bunch of different things. And so I, I remember following his career, uh, him and Maurice Worthy when I was a senior in high school and they were seniors, but then the military side of it was, you know, he had some probably pretty cool. And then I, I got to, when we were at the camp, I got to meet his son, which was just, um, reminded me how old we are now so yeah it was probably one that I, I the military side what's that the son's a plebe oh he's oh he's at oh wow yeah no kidding all right just made me very more <laughs> older uh yeah um that's an individual I was yeah pretty pretty neat um I, I think uh following people's success afterwards um, is, is fun, whether it's in the military or the, you know, private world. Um, it's really cool to kind of hear how the lessons that they learned at West Point and on the wrestling team maybe carried over. So you haven't gone wrong yet though. So I trust you and uh, Jordan's instincts on who to pick. I was getting, not, I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about it. Maybe they forgot I wrestled there. I don't know. I, you know, I haven't heard from them. Uh, well, this is this is a, kind of old now, though. So, like, you know, you want to pull out all the big guns initially, and like all the big names aren't available later on. So Jordan and I were like, we're gonna wait for Phil, and then like, oh, the, the, whatever. We didn't plan to take the, the break in December, but um, Jordan having you know having his baby, he's kind of a prima donna too. I mean, you're like, wait, you had a baby and you can't, you can't do this podcast for a month? Like, come on. Um, the show but, uh, must go on. 
it was it was a good little time away. Plus, everybody fun uh, for people to catch up and watch these uh, these episodes. Get, they're all caught up. You can't be like me, you know, me where I have nothing else going on, where I just listen to these you know all day, you know, on repeat. No, uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. You guys are doing a really good job. That's Jordan listens to them all and edits them. I haven't. I can't list. I can't hear myself do this. I haven't listened to one episode. Um, it's just awkward. Um, but I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on the show too. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. It was one of the more enjoyable episodes I've I've been a part of. And Chandler, appreciate you hopping on um, and contributing. Chandler, I'm I'm following you in the distance, man. You're another one of those guys that I. Uh... I quietly follow and it's been really cool to see you have a lot of success and uh, yeah, man. Um, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but super proud of all your accomplishments, man. And uh, keep, uh, keep leading the way, doing really good. Really enjoy. You all left uh, some, some massive shoes to, uh, to fill in. And I'm, I'm glad that I got a chance to hang out and talk because again, as a, as a cadet, you know, like you are, you have the probably the best resume in army wrestling history and it's, cool for for me to even have a chance to talk to you so i'm glad that uh you think i'm doing a good job and hope i can continue to meet the standard that you set on the mats off the mats husband father across the board uh folks like you are, are what make being an army wrestler um such a an awesome ex experience and like a, a credential almost just being a, a part of a group that's associated with people like yourself so thanks for being you, Thank you. thanks for coming on absolutely Absolutely. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Keep up, keep up doing, you're doing, you guys are doing a really good job. And again, like I said, I think it's a great way to, to, to bring people back in. Once you suck them in, it's like, you, you just get that feeling all over again. It's hard to leave. Um, so thank you guys for doing that. Yeah. Thanks for hopping on. I'll see you, Phil. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall radio show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And as always, go Army, be Navy.